Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Exciting uh, moment in the in the in church history when Jesus comes to Jerusalem and is celebrated as a, a king, and this is an important. Uh, uh, Bible story. This is one of the few events that is actually uh, written about, talked about in all four of the gospel accounts. Today we're going to be looking at this story from the perspective of, of John, and I'm, I'm excited to, to do that with you guys today. But first I want to start with uh, a story. And in 2013, this was the maybe the second or the third time I attended the world's largest gaming convention in Indianapolis, Indiana, called Gen Con. I love Gen Con, and Gen Con, it happens every year. Uh, it's called the best three days in gaming, right? and it's just fun. It's board games and role-playing games, and there's people in costumes, they call that cosplay, right? And uh, it's just a it's just a fun time full of, of of nerds and gamers and people just having a a great time and and so at Gen Con they always have uh, celebrities. It, it would probably be pointless for me to name these celebrities because nobody actually knows them outside of this niche gaming uh, audience. But in 2013 there was a legitimate uh, celebrity and his name was Will Wheaton. And you may remember him from starring in Star Trek The Next Generation. He played Wesley Crusher. There's the handsome young man right there. Uh, but later, Will Wheaton went on to become something of an icon in geek culture. And so one day, my friend Drew and I are walking through the, the dealer's hall at Gen Con. We're looking at the games, looking at the dice, looking at all these people dressed up like uh, superheroes, comic book characters, and all this crazy, it's a crazy group of people. You could just uh, Google Gen Con costume parade if you wanna see kind of what that world looks like. Uh, it's pretty crazy. And so we're looking at all this stuff and we're talking about how Will Wheaton is there. And we're talking about some of the projects that he was working on and how cool it would be to meet him. And I'm, I'm like, oh, it would be so great. I bet he's just an absolutely great guy. And we're just talking and then all of a sudden Drew grabs me and says, Mark, look over there, it's Will Wheaton. And there he was, he was in the, the Pinnacle Games booth looking at some, some gaming books and and I was like, oh, that is him, look at that. And Drew was like, Mark, you need to go talk to him. You go, go get your picture taken with him. I'm like, no, 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 I don't wanna bother him. He's like, no, we've been talking about it. This is your opportunity, right? This is your time to go and meet Will Wheaton. And so eventually he, he convinced me to do that. I go and I introduce myself to him and I take this picture. There's Will. Uh, and in my mind, I thought that I'd taken a selfie with him. But I'm trying to decide if a selfie would have been more awkward or if this picture is more awkward. I'm not sure. 
But either way, it was a real awkward, challenging encounter. Will was not happy in any way uh, to be approached there at the Gen Con Dealers Hall. He didn't want to get his picture taken. He was a little bit short with me, which I understand, but is not, the, is not what I expected him to be like. Right? While I was excited to see him, the encounter left me wanting a little bit. And in the story of Jesus' life, found in all four Gospels, we find that Jesus is also misunderstood. And he's even misunderstood by those people who are closest to him. And just like Drew and I were talking about Will Wheaton being in the same place that we were, our story today takes place with the Jewish people gathered together to celebrate, not a gaming convention. I don't believe that we have any gaming conventions recorded in the first century. But they were gathered to celebrate the Passover festival in Jerusalem, right? And so it is also a very exciting time for them. Normally in Jerusalem, experts think that maybe there is between 40 and 50,000 people who live there. But during the Passover festival, the, uh, the numbers would swell to like 100 or 200,000 people. And so the city couldn't actually contain them. And so they all stayed camped out on the hills around the city walls. And uh, so at this time, people are buzzing, right? And just imagine that the hillsides are covered with people, right? There's little tents and people, you know, eating and celebrating, welcoming people that they haven't seen since the year before. And they're buzzing, right, about Jesus. The guy who raised Lazarus from the dead is here somewhere, right? He's here somewhere. And so that's where we're going to pick up our story this morning. In John chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. So what do we see happening in this story? We see that Jesus is recognized and he's welcomed, as he should be, as a king, as the king who deserves honor and glory and praise. 
But as we continue to read the story, uh, we see that Jesus is not the king that the crowds expected. Right? He's not the king that the crowds expected, and as the story unfolds, he fails to meet these expectations, and all these crowds that are calling out his name, crying, Hosanna, they abandon him. But what we do know, though he's not the king they expected, he is the king that they need. The Jewish crowds thought that their salvation was going to come through this reclaiming of power. And many believed that meant a military overthrow of the Romans. Right? And maybe this Jesus, the one who could raise the dead and, and heal the blind and cast out demons, maybe he was the one who would lead God's armies to overthrow Rome. But what they really needed was someone that was going to deal and bring freedom to their spiritual brokenness, the sin problem that was keeping people in slavery. And we can see that many in the crowd misunderstood Jesus' intentions because of the symbols they carry and the words they use. Here's Jesus entering the, the city. Huzzah! Uh, so here in verse 13, it says, They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And so they're waving palm branches. And in many of our traditions, we uh, take fake or real palm branches and we, we would use them on, on Palm Sunday, right? And we kind of look at them as the, the party popper of the ancient world, right? They didn't have anything. They didn't have those little things that unroll. What are those called? I don't know what those are called. Those party things. Like, oh, they just, they, and so they grab the best thing they could find, which is a, which is a palm branch, right? Now, the, the palm branch was actually a symbol of Jewish nationalism. And one scholar uh, by the name of Gary Burge uh, said that they were used often as symbols of a ruling power. You'll see them printed on, on coins sometimes. And Gary Burge says, this act of celebration, the waving of the palms, is by no means neutral. It's not just a happy party time. It symbolizes Israel's national hopes, now focused on Jesus, being hailed as he enters the city. Right? He's being hailed and welcomed as a, a conquering king. And we also see they are, they are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which is an Aramaic phrase that literally means, save us now. It means save us now, but it had come to uh, be just a declaration of, of praise for people who had saved us. You've saved us, right? Hosanna! And that's how we use it today. And this is quoted in Psalm 118, verse 25. Then Psalm 118, 26 is this next passage. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right? And this was a, a, a song that the... the 
worshipers would sing as they're welcoming other pilgrims to Jerusalem. Welcome, welcome, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right, this is amazing. We're glad you're here. It's, it's time to party. It is the Passover festival. But then, blessed is the king of Israel. This is not part of the psalm. This is something new. And it is different from what the psalm's intention was as a welcoming of visitors. Right? Suddenly we get the impression that the crowds are greeting this national liberator. Blessed is the king of Israel. A political statement in the face of the Roman Empire. But Jesus is very aware of the people's assumptions and their expectations, and he specifically tries to reorient their, their perspective by entering Jerusalem, not on a horse, not on a, a golden chariot, not in a tank, not with rifles and swords strapped to him, right? But he's riding on a donkey. And the donkey is used here to, to try to calm down the crowd's nationalistic military expectations. We see this uh, uh, prophesied in Zechariah 9.9, which we're going to look at in a second here. Uh, and this is this... Uh, the, the, the donkey was used to, to say that this is a gentle and a humble king. Not a military leader, not somebody who has come to overthrow Rome. And so John and the other gospel writers here, like I said, quote Zechariah. So I want to look at that passage because every original listener would have filled this information in when John quoted Zechariah. So uh, chapter 9 verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, but lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. Right? There's these, this war language. God is going to bring peace. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. And Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy written hundreds of years before his arrival in Jerusalem. He is a bringer of peace, not a man of war. And we see in, in verse 11, Jesus is here because of God's covenant with his people. The blood of his covenant, this blood that we celebrated today by taking communion, is a, a commitment to his people that he is going to do what he said he's going to do. And Jesus has come to free prisoners from a waterless pit. 
a waterless pit talking about an empty cistern. And I got a picture right here of a, a cistern in Israel. And there's a gate around this one to, to protect people. But it's just a big pit where they would, would capture water and store water for the long, dry, arid seasons in, in Israel. And so Jesus says, I'm going to free your prisoners from the waterless pit. And so imagine just being thrown into this dry cistern as a prisoner. There's no way out. There's no water, right? There's no life here. This is certain death. But Jesus comes to set prisoners free. In those crowds greeting him and us today, this might not be the freedom that we are expecting, but it is the freedom that we absolutely need. And Jesus came to bring resurrection power, resurrection life to the spiritually dead. He came to set free those who were caught in sin, those destined for hell. Jesus came to bring them from certain death into life. And then Jesus in verse 12 says he comes to send the prisoners home. He says, return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. And the fortress here is a, is a place, right, where people feel safe, where people are comfortable. They're being removed from this place of sure death, this dry cistern of, of darkness and, and hopelessness, and they're being brought now to the fortress, and they are now prisoners of hope, or uh, I think a better translation would be prisoners with hope. They are now full of hope because of the blood of the covenant of God, the promise of God to set them free. Jesus is the liberator. He sets us free from sin and death, and he brings us home to the Father. The Jewish crowds thought that their salvation would come through reclaiming power, but what they really needed was someone to deal with their spiritual brokenness. Isn't that the same for us? Right? We want certain things from God. Maybe we even have certain expectations about God, but what we really need at the core of it is somebody who will set us free from our spiritual brokenness, from our sin problem, or our destiny left to our own devices of hell. So what is it that we're expecting? Right? Are we looking to Jesus for how he might meet our needs? How he might meet our expectations? Or are we looking to Jesus because he is the Son of God, because he is our Savior? It's vitally important that we ask, where is it that we are placing our hope? Is it in a Jesus who backs up our political agenda? Is it a Jesus who is going to bless our professional goals if we say the right prayers or we do the right things? Will he bless us? Are we looking for a, a Jesus who soothes our fears and our worries without expecting anything from us in return? 
Are we placing our hope in a Jesus who heals our sicknesses and keeps us from trouble? Or are we worshiping the cosmic king? The one who is restoring the world and bringing his kingdom. We need to ask ourselves, does our worship consist of taking on our own cross-shaped lives as we follow Jesus? Are we dying to ourselves so that we can experience resurrection life? Or are we just worshiping Jesus so that we can get our felt needs met? The crowds abandoned Jesus when he failed to meet their expectations. The, the disciples scattered, right? And we even see pretty soon, in just a few days, the, the crowds sh shaking their fists and crying out to, to uh, what's his name? Crucify him, crucify him. Oh my goodness. Pontius Pilate. Thank you, Amber. Good thing one of us has read our Bible recently. Uh, right, and so they, when, they, when Jesus doesn't meet expectations, we see people turn on him very, very quickly. But in Jesus, we find a hope that changes everything. Right, because we are prisoners as well. But because of Jesus, we are prisoners with hope. Hope that our deliverer has come and will come again. Hope that no matter what assaults us in this life, we are safe in Jesus' hands. We have an eternal destiny. We have hope that God recognized all the pain and the struggle and the difficulty in the world. And he didn't turn a blind eye, but he did something about it. He sent Jesus to become a man, to die on the cross, defeating sin and death so that we could be restored to the Father. And we have an eternal hope that Jesus is coming back and that he will once and for all defeat sin and death and fully restore the earth. And we will live with him face to face without sin or death or sorrow. Jesus came to bring resurrection life to the spiritually dead, to those who were caught in sin and destined for hell. And he has come to bring new life to you and me as well. And so that is what we celebrate today as we welcome King Jesus, our cosmic king. And he is worthy, regardless of if we're going through a worldwide pandemic, regardless of if we lose our jobs, regardless of if we or our loved one gets sick. Jesus is worthy of praise. He is not uncaring about those things. He is actually with you, intimately walking with you in the midst of the pain and the struggle of life. But we know that God saw all this brokenness and he said, I'm going to do something about it. And he did. He sent Jesus. And we celebrate that this morning. Well, let, would you join with me as we close in prayer? Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you were willing to humble yourself to become a man. Lord, to, to, to live a, a sinless life, to, to go to the cross to pay the penalty for sin. And because of your sacrifice, we who put our trust in you, who bend our knee to King Jesus, know that we have an eternal hope 
that we are set free from sin and death, and that we are safely in your hands. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we celebrate you today, and we give you all the glory. Help each of us to not turn back. Lord, when you don't meet our expectations, help us to hold on to faith that you are good and that you are with us. Lord Jesus, we love you. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us in our virtual church service. We look forward to joining with you again in person. If you are interested and you want to join in the, the weekly Bible study starting on Tuesday, just shoot me a message. I would love for you to be a part of it. I'm looking forward to seeing your faces. Bless you guys. Have a fantastic Sunday.